we have a very, very special guest. And I was thinking, who can come and speak to our church, speak to our volunteers to bring encouragement? No other than my friend, Pastor Greg Allison from our district office. And it's not so much that he works in the district office, but I'm so thankful, Pastor Greg, for your friendship. Um, I know every time we get together, he lets me just speak my heart, and uh, he gives me a lot of wisdom and just helps me with a lot of things. And so I consider you, Pastor Greg, a really close friend, so thank you. I'm so thankful that your wife is, your Amy's here, so I'm sure you'll probably introduce her to the church. But Madison Assembly of God, can we do our very best to make welcome our speaker today, Pastor Greg Allison. Come on, everybody. Hey, Pastor Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jason. Wonderful to be here with you at Madison Assembly. You know, when Pastor Jason invited me to come back and, and preach today, I put in my calendar, Madison, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. We love to come here, and we love to be with you and with the dailies, and uh, we're so thankful. My wife, Amy, is here with me today, and uh, Amy uh, travels with me to the churches, and then all week she works at Riley Hospital and for children in the C-suite there, assisting some executives there, and she works tirelessly uh, for our family and for the Lord, and I appreciate you, Amy. So I appreciate you today. <laughs> Was that good? Okay, there we go. <laughs> well, it's wonderful. Your church is growing. I see so many new faces. Isn't this wonderful? So exciting. I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. And while you do that, I just want to say um, it, uh, greetings to you from our superintendent, Don Gifford, and from our Indiana District team of the Assemblies of God. We're so, so very thankful for Madison Assembly of God. It's a wonderful, wonderful church family. And I'm sure many of you have been discovering that as you come here and get involved. Today I want to talk to you about improving your serve. Improving your serve. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. So if you take your copy of God's Word, we're going to open that up together, and I'm going to be reading now from the English Standard Version. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you just give him glory this morning? Lord Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. We bow before you our hearts and our knees bow before you, Lord. We worship you. We pray, Lord, that you would anoint this time in your word. Anoint our ears to hear it. Help us to be fixated on the words of God. Help us, Lord, to take them down deep inside like choice morsels. And that we would just meditate on your word and let it bring transformation through the power of your Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit to bring transformation, to activate these truths in our lives and help us to become more like Jesus and to improve the way we serve by improving our serve. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to say how impressed I am to see so many volunteers here at this church. 70% or more. That's a really high number, Pastor Jason. That really speaks volumes as to the heart of this congregation and the heart of your leadership. Don't you have wonderful pastors here at Madison Assembly, aren't you? Yes. When I see that, I say, God is working through you as you serve, and God is working in you as you serve. So he's accomplishing two things, hitting two birds with one stone. He's working through you to touch lives and impact lives in this church and in this community and in the world, but he's also transforming you on the inside as you do it. And he's doing that through you, and he's also doing all of that in you. That's exciting, and I want us to think about that today, because that's why we do what we do. We do it for the glory of God. We do it to expand his kingdom, but we also do it because this is what Jesus is like, and God's goal for you and for me is to be like him, to be like Jesus, That's the goal of the gospel, not just to give us some fire insurance, you know, save us from down below, not just to give us a happy life, although there's a lot of happiness and joy to be found in Jesus, more than just being respectable or religious, which we really don't necessarily want to be unrespectable, disrespectable. But that's not why we do what we do. We do these things for the glory of God. We do these things to impact others' lives. But we are also doing these things because we imitate Jesus Christ. We want to be more and more like him, truly like him on the inside, so that as we are being transformed to be like him, these actions and activities naturally flow out. Oh, I'll do that. I'm glad to help you. I'm glad to step in and serve you here. I'm glad to make this happen. And that comes and flows out of a heart that's been transformed by Christ to be like Christ. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, improving your serve. And the way that we improve our serve 
is by becoming more like Jesus. Years ago, and many, many years ago, when I was a teenager, I'm not going to tell you how many, uh, although I can tell you that our tube socks had stripes on them, so that'll kind of give you an idea. I used to play tennis. I had some tennis lessons. I wasn't very good at it. But one thing that I remember is that if you want to win the game, one of the things you've got to do is you've got to learn to improve your serve. That's how you score points. That's how you get the advantage with your opponent. That's how you get the ball where you want it to get so that it doesn't get hit back. You win the you score the point on the serve. And that's how you don't hit the net. Or maybe somebody that's a bystander, which was what I would often do. <laughs> oh, God help us. That's the way I golf, too, by the way. So that's why I don't golf anymore, either. Um, there are so many different ways that you could improve your serve by watching the ball, by hitting it in a certain way, by doing all of these certain things the way that you do and learning muscle memory and all of those different things to get that ball across the net and right where you want it and learning how to deliver that ball in a certain way. I would say to you this morning, as volunteers, as Christians, we want to make sure that we improve our serve. But the way we improve our serve is by becoming more like Jesus Christ, by spending time with him in prayer and in the word, by asking the Holy Spirit to bring transformation into our mind and our heart, and by every time we have a choice, every time we have an opportunity, Every time we have a temptation, we decide to do what God's Word says. We decide to be like Christ, and we allow the Holy Spirit to make that happen in our life. And in, as a result of that, we become more and more like Christ in every way. So we honor God and we glorify Him. Some people say, well, why do we do what we do? Why would I greet? Some people say, well, I'm... I'm greeting because it's got to get done. It's got to get done. Somebody's got to do it. I say, no, I greet because I want to be the presence of Jesus at the front door, at the back door and the side door. I greet because I want to be the presence of Jesus in the lobby. I want to impact people positively for Jesus Christ. And at the same time, I want Jesus to bring about transformation in my heart so that I can practice loving people and serving people and showing hospitality to people the way Jesus would do it if he were in my spot. And that's awesome when that starts to happen. People say, well, why am I serving in the nursery? Well, we can't get anybody to do it. I guess I'll do it. You know, we've heard things like that. Say, no, that's not why I serve in the nursery. I serve in the nursery not only because I want to make it possible for mom and dad to be able to hear the gospel. I want to serve in the nursery because these little babies deserve to experience the presence of God. They need someone to pray over them. They need someone to play with them. They need to have a positive memory of church from the earliest of ages 
They need to experience the presence of God in the room. And they need someone to talk to them about Jesus and just kind of rub their hand over a Bible and say, this is God's word. Something so simple like that can begin to start the process of bringing about transformation in an infant's life. And so you can do there what Jesus would do there. And in the process of that, Jesus is bringing about transformation in your heart as you love those kids. He is demonstrating his love in you and through you. And you grow in the love of Christ. So we need to improve our serve. We need to get better at it. We need to improve all the time by spending time with Jesus, cultivating a deep relationship with him, being rooted in him. In fact, I read that about your church on your website. So we want to be rooted in Christ, want to serve, making an impact, and we want to be changed. Isn't that what we're talking about here this morning? I'm so thankful that that's what your church is about. So, for example, in the tennis analogy, I read one internet article that said perfecting the serve can be the key to winning the match. I think there are a lot of people who are serving for the right reasons. And in their heart, they are serving out of love and a desire to glorify Jesus Christ. But once in a while, somebody might find themselves serving for the wrong reasons. They might find themselves serving to be noticed. They might want to serve to feel better about themselves. They might serve more out of a sense of duty rather than joy. And they might serve out of a lot of different reasons. And I would just simply say to you, wouldn't it be better if we could serve out of a desire to glorify God and a desire to demonstrate the love of Jesus and out of a desire to want to be more like Jesus? Well, let me, I want to have a place to practice that, not only in my everyday life, but here at church and out in the community and serving wherever I am. There are so many different op- opportunities in our world for service. And some of you get invitations to those all the time. And if you have kids in school or grandkids, I'm sure you get invitation to do band boosters, Sign up for meals, selling things, volunteering here, volunteering there. Can you work at the ticket table? Can you help with cleanup here? Can you do that, this and the other? And even in those places, we can demonstrate the love of Christ, right? And I love how your pastor has talked to me about being out in the community. So don't forget, serving Jesus is not just about here. Serving Jesus is everywhere that you are. It's at work, the way you serve your employer, the way you serve your coworkers, the way you serve your family, the way you serve your neighbors and your neighborhood. You can demonstrate and show the love of Christ there and make an impact. So how do I improve my serve? You can look at Philippians 2, 1 through 11, and look at Jesus, because when we look at Jesus we see a master class in servanthood. Jesus' life is a master class in servanthood. He is more than a, just a, an example. 
He is the blueprint for your life and mine. Because God did not send the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father did not send the Lord Jesus Christ just to be an example. He did send him to be an example, but much more than that, he sent him to bring transformation. And he sent him as the blueprint of a new humanity, a new creation in Christ Jesus, brought forth by his sinless life, his atoning death, his powerful life-giving resurrection, his glorification to the right hand of the Father, his intercession for you, and his sending of the Holy Spirit. He has done all of this so that you would be transformed into his likeness, to be like him. So that you would be like Christ in his great loving heart. And so that's what we see here in this text. And I just want to kind of go through this very quickly and look at Jesus' example. I'm mindful of the time. I'm going to try to speed things up a little bit uh, this morning. When I go to uh, verses 5 through 11 and I look at the example of Jesus, what he did, how he thought, what made him tick... Then I double back to verses 1 through 4. I can learn how God wants me to improve my serve. So even this morning, as I was praying for this, I said, Lord, I, I want to preach well today. And I want your anointing to rest on me. But I don't want that to happen for my sake. I want that to happen for the congregation's sake. I want you to do something in their lives today. I want you to demonstrate the love of Jesus through me to them today. I want every one of them to be feel important and valued. I want every one of them to take the word of God and live it. That's how we begin to think when we are transformed by things like this text. So what did Jesus do? Well, as God and as man... He did some phenomenal things. And we want to look at his choices. Because when we look at his choices, it gives us a clue to what makes him tick and what really makes his heart sing. It says when he was as God, and he is still God, he's always been God. Jesus has always been the Son of God. Was in the form, the morphe of God. He was fully God in his nature. So what makes God God makes Jesus God, because he is God. At the same time, as he is fully God, he has equality with God, the Father, and God, the Holy Spirit, because he is God. He enjoys position. He enjoys full power. He enjoys full authority. He enjoys all of the privileges of being God. But he didn't grasp onto it and hold on to it for his own sake. He released those privileges. He released the, 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 the privileges of his position so that he could serve you and he could serve me by being born in a manger, living a sinless life, And carrying out his ministry and dying on a cross for us, he did all of that, and he didn't have to do it, but he did it anyway. 
He didn't cease being God all of that time. He had all the all of the nature of God, all the properties of God. He still had all of that, but he chose to limit himself and take on human nature. Now, here's the thing that's a real mind-blowing idea. He didn't just temporarily take on human nature. Being fully God, he also became fully human, and he is still fully God and fully human, raised in a new body, sitting at the right hand of the Father with the scars. So he didn't say, oh, I'll do that for a little while and then I'll give it up. Ick. No, he said, I'm going to take on human nature and I'm going to keep it because I'm going to fully and completely bind myself to these people forever because I love them. Think about what a come down that is for the creator to take on the nature of his creation. But he did that for you and he did that for me. Isn't he awesome? Praise the Lord. That's so vastly different than the way the Roman gods and goddesses were at the time that Paul was preaching. They were always up to something that was so self-serving, always acting so sinfully. That's the way we would expect something to be. But that's not how our God is. And I'm so thankful that he is all-powerful and he is all-knowing and he is present everywhere and he is capable and he is fully in charge and he also is a God of love. I'm so thankful for that. That takes all of the fear out of my life when I think about that. So he emptied himself, verse 7. That's the opposite of vainglory that we read about here in verses 1 through 4. That's the opposite of vainglory. That is, uh, Jesus decided to set aside uh, power and glory to serve us. He chose to limit himself and became a human being. He was not a grasper. He was not self-centered. He was not looking out for himself above us. He was looking out for us above himself. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of the master. And so when we're serving, when we want to improve our serve, we say, God, I want you to give me that heart. I want the heart of Jesus so that I put others ahead of myself. He humbled himself, being fully God. This was a humiliation to become human like you and me. But he did it, and he served us. And then, as man, it says that having human nature now, he humbled himself yet again. Decisions were made, and I want you to understand this. Decisions were made, and decisions are always made. When I decide that I'm going to act out of love, it's a decision. It's not just a feeling. We get this in our culture. Well, it's, I just don't feel. You, you don't always feel. Sometimes the feelings come later because the Holy Spirit empowers love in you. But love is a choice. Love is a decision. Selflessness is a decision. Doing what pleases God is a decision. Obedience is a decision. It's a choice. And we're presented with choices all the day long. So 
sometimes, um, and as I've been meditating on this passage, I realize just how far I fall short of that, even in my choices on the highway. Oh, I can hear that some people are saying, ouch. (laughs) It's so true. Choices in the line at the grocery store. You go ahead. You have fewer groceries than me. Please, step ahead in line. There are decisions that are made all the time. Decisions for our kids, decisions for our spouses, decisions for our congregation, decisions for our community, decisions that put others ahead of ourselves. And I understand we have limits. We can't do everything that we're asked to do. We can't do everything that could possibly be done. But I believe that there should be some weight given, especially to the work of the kingdom of God and advancing the gospel. That's what Paul the Apostle was all about. That's what Philippians is all about. Working side by side for the advancement of the gospel. So if, you, if you're limited on time, you take care of your family, you take care of things at home, but then you want to be able to give your time in the best way possible, directed by the Holy Spirit to advance the gospel, to advance that ball down the field, and to see people come to know Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself as a man and served. He took up the basin and the towel. And then he humbled himself even more by dying on the cross for us. And that was the most humiliating, most difficult, most painful way to die. And he chose to do that for you and for me. So if Jesus did all of that for us, then we okay, now he has sent the benchmark pretty high. Let's follow him. It is our joy to follow him. It is our privilege to follow him. It is our pleasure to be like Christ. It is a great honor to follow him and to glorify him by living our life the way that he would want us to live, worthy of the gospel. Notice what it says here back in verse 27, only let your man... Verse 27 of chapter 1, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear uh, of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what you're all doing here. As you're serving, as you're volunteering, you are striving together for the faith of the gospel. You are striving together to advance the ball down the field and to make impact. I want to talk about very quickly, very quickly, four things that I see here, and these are not four full points, so you're not going to be here another hour. I just want to alert you to that. We see here a call for unity. That unity is a part of the, the, the sharpening of our skill set as we improve our serve. Verses 1 through 3, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. In other words, if you've been saved and the Spirit of God is at work in your life, if you've received the gospel, if you've received God's love and you've received salvation, any affection, sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind 
having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. There is something very important about standing together in one spirit as the new community of God's people, that we work for good and for the, and for, for the good of others, and that our manner of life, the way we live out our life in this new community, uh, brings honor and glory to God and demonstrates the love of God to others. In other words, God is saying, I do not want you to keep living like you did before you knew me. I saved you to be different. I didn't save you to do what is natural and like the world that you came from. I saved you to be, to have a new culture that is defined by Jesus Christ. And so it is our joy and privilege to adopt this new culture and new ways and to be like Jesus. That is a joy for us, a worshipful response to our salvation. Not just this, not just this, not just singing, but living. A worshipful response as a, as a sacrifice to the Lord. A Christ-centered life. A person that is striving for unity is going to make sure that they are concerned for the effectiveness of the church and of the mission of God's people by striving for unity, by striving to keep one another together, by demonstrating kindness and love, by being peacemakers, by quickly forgiving, not being easily offended, by being people that are putting others' needs ahead of their own needs. These kinds of things are vitally important. I've been reading through um, the book of Numbers, and I see when the Lord gets upset with the people of Israel for all their mistreatment of Moses, I don't know that it's so much just that they were mistreating Moses, although that was bad. I think that the bigger issue is that what they were doing was working against what God was trying to do in their lives and in the kingdom. And so what we don't want to be guilty of is acting in ways and doing things that cause disruption to that. And what I'm not saying is, hey, everyone has to think alike. This is all you know, group think, you have to become a zombie and be like everybody else. We're not saying that. What we're saying is we prioritize love here. We prioritize peace here. And when I don't agree about the color of the carpet, how I respond to others is more important than whether or not I get what I want. Do you follow me this morning? So as we are working together for the cause of the gospel, we check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. <laughs> and we make sure, my boys would probably be rolling their eyes right now at that statement. But I want you to know, Satan is always looking for opportunities to impede the spread of the gospel, to cause a black eye for the gospel, and he would be glad to use you if you will let him. So my statement to you is, what do you do about that? Pursue Christ-likeness in your life, pursue Jesus in your life, have a relationship with God where you are dependent on the Holy Spirit, and when these opportunities present themselves, you make the decision to act in the Christ-like way and let the Holy Spirit empower you to do it. Don't just give in to sinful impulse, 
rely on the Holy Spirit to do things through the impulse of God's love. That's how he wants us to be. To be thoughtful and to be considerate. To keep our commitments. To be able to step in and help where needed. To overlook offenses. To forgive. To guard against any sense of resentment. If the offenses are more serious, then we would seek to reconcile. Get some help from the church leadership We will laugh together. We will cry together. We will pray together. We will pray for one another. And we will help one another because we are working together for the same goal. To glorify Jesus and advance the gospel. Then also, sharpening your, uh, improving your serve, sharpening your skill set. Adopt a mindset of humility. We can see here that Jesus humbled himself as God and he humbled himself as man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. This is the heart of Jesus. Not vain conceit, empty, empty glory, but true glory. And yet he said, I'm not going to hold on to and grasp onto my glory. I'm going to give myself away. Love begins when someone else's needs are more important than my own. Gordon Fee wrote. Selfishness can be a poison to relationships. It can be poison to a marriage. It can be poison to a friendship. Selfishness can be poison in a church. And so God says to us, I don't want you to do things out of selfish ambition. I don't want you to do things for yourself. I want you to do things for one another. These kinds of attitudes and behaviors lead to actions and words, grumbling, arrogance, taking privileges, jockeying for power that will poison the well. When we become selfish, God says, I don't want you to be that way. I want you to demonstrate the love of God, the self-giving of God in your life. So we call out to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help us to do what he calls us to do. We do not use our position of God-given authority to serve ourselves. We use our position of God-given authority to always serve God and others. It always must be that way. We would expect people to use positions of authority and power for themselves. That's what we see in the world all around the globe. But in the kingdom of God, it's the opposite. We do not seek title and recognition. We take this up, not for ourselves, but for others, because love motivates us. And then, then thirdly, obedience. Obedience, Jesus obeyed the Father's will. He obeyed the Father. When the Father said, do this, he did it. Whether it was the becoming human, the incarnation, or whether it was being obedient to his will throughout his ministry and life, or whether it was being obedient to the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, sweating drops of blood under such agony. Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Submission to the Father. Obedience to the Father. And so I would say, we also must be people who are obedient to the Father But I I just want to say this because as I was preparing, um, even this morning as I was praying for today, 
I felt like the Lord wanted me to just emphasize this for a moment. Jesus was not at any moment just saying, wow, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I don't feel any joy in this. Because it was his joy and it was his great love that motivated him to do what he did for us. And it was the joy that was set before him that caused him to endure the cross. And so I just want to say to you this morning, are you obedient to the Lord? When he says to you, I want you to do this. I want you to take up this task. I want you to serve in this way. I'm calling you into the ministry. You know, we have a shortage of ministers today. Did you know that? We have a shortage of pastors. Uh, Sometimes it used to be that when there was a pastoral transition, a church like this one would get 100 or more resumes. Now we're really grateful to get three or two, sometimes even one. And people are making a choice. You know, I'd rather do something that is comfortable for me. I'd rather not take on those responsibilities. I'd rather not follow the call to do what God has called me to do. I'd rather not embrace the life of a pastor. I want to be able to make as much money as I want, be in control of my time, do this, that, and the other, and all of these things. So this week and this month, as you think about appreciating your pastors, Pastor Jason and Amy, Pastor David, Pastor Cody, I want you to think about something. They all said yes to Jesus in embracing the call of God to serve this congregation. That is an incredible gift to you from their heart, a heart of love. And I hope that when you show appreciation to them that you consider that and you think about that. But there may be somebody here today, you have a call of God on your life and like Jonah Every time God says go to Nineveh, you go the other way. You go down in the boat. You get out of the way. You try to escape his presence. But I'm going to tell you something. There's no way to escape his presence. You'd better run to him. But I can tell you there's nothing scary about running to him. That's the safest, most wonderful place you can be. You don't want to be away from him. You want to be in his will. So I want to challenge you with that, and I don't know if that's for someone this morning, but if you're running from the Lord and you are not following his call on your life, or you're not being obedient to him in some way, I just want to challenge you to surrender your will to the Lord and say yes to him. Yes. Yes, I will go to the mission field. Yes, I will be a pastor. Yes, I will be an evangelist. Yes, I will be a church leader. Yes, I will serve in the nursery. Yes, I will do something in this community for the glory of God. I'm going to do it because you have called me to do it. I'm going to be obedient to your voice, Lord. And there is nothing more delightful for me than to be able to say yes to you, my Lord, because you saved me with the blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Francis Chan said, Simon says, pat your head. Jesus says, go and make disciples, and we memorize that verse. Think about that. It's very profound. So, finally, hope. Hope motivated Jesus. It was the hope that was set before him, the way the Lord eventually glorified him. So he gave up glory, but the Lord, the Father, glorified him again, raised him with power, and exalted him to his right hand. 
And so we can say, you know what, there are some things that I'm going to do in this life that may be somewhat inconvenient or may take a little more from me. And I find um, in my many years as a pastor, one of the things that I would hear sometimes is people would always talk about their time. They cherish being able to have all of their evenings free. They cherish being able to relax on the weekend, or they cherish being able to sleep in on Sunday morning or whatever. And I sometimes would hear that, and I would think, okay, but this is an opportunity now that God has given us. We only have a certain span of time, folks, on this planet, a certain span of time before Jesus comes back, a certain span of time to live for Christ here. And so... I want to make the most of every opportunity, and I want to make the most of this time, and I want to serve the Lord, and I know that when I give generously, whether it's of my time, of my talent, or of the resources God has called me to steward, whatever it is, I want to steward it well for God's glory. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to just throw it away on pursuing stuff. I don't want to waste my life by just throwing it away, just living for the stuff that's horizontal. But I want to serve Jesus and I want to live my life in a way that glorifies God. And I want to live a vertical life. I want to glorify Him. I want to live for Him because He's worthy and He's worth it. And I know that there's going to be a day of reward that's coming. And so there might be some things that we give up. There might be some things that we prioritize. There might be some things that we sacrificially do or sacrificially give. But in doing so, we do it knowing that one day God will vindicate us and reward us. He will do it. He's not going to leave you feeling like a fool. You will not be ashamed that you live for Jesus. You will not be ashamed that you tithed. You will not be ashamed that you gave away money to missions. You will not be ashamed that you served, that you took time to do these things. You will not be ashamed. You're going to be so glad and it's going to be glorious when you stand before the Lord and he rewards you and he will reward you. So I want to call you today to improve your serve, to imitate his example to get his heart, to think with his mindset, and to become a servant, even a servant of all. Because Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you will be servant of all. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's lift our voices and our hands to the Lord this morning. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to make this sermon, this message, this teaching in the Word, activated in your heart and life, to make it a part of the way you think, to make it a part of your heart, to have the heart of Jesus. And let's just begin to call on Him together. Lord, would You give me the heart of Jesus? Would You put Your heart in me and help me to love others, Lord, the way You love others? To put them ahead of me in line. To serve them. To put the emphasis and the priority on them. God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, and forgive me, Lord, for selfishness. Can we just confess that to the Lord? We're human beings. We have this nature. (laughs) 
God, we pray for forgiveness for selfishness. If there's anything like that in us, we confess it to you. We repent of it, Lord. We don't want that in our lives. Instead, we want to be filled with your love. We want to rejoice when we see that as people are serving around this congregation, as they're serving in this community, when we see the heart of the love of Jesus being demonstrated, not for the cause of being noticed, not for the cause of wanting to feel good about ourselves, but because we want to bring glory to you and because we want to be like you. Improve our serve, Lord, we pray. Help us to be like Jesus. Help us to preserve unity and work and strive together side by side for the advancement of the gospel. For your glory. For our good. For the good of the kingdom of God in this community in Madison. We pray in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless every volunteer in this room. Bless them powerfully. I pray, Lord, as they're serving, that they would sense the Holy Spirit working in them, that they would sense a transformation happening, and that they would be mindful of it, that they wouldn't just go into their place of service just doing a job, but they would go into their place of service, finding it as a place to connect deeply with Jesus and to be like Jesus and to demonstrate Jesus to others. Thank you for that, God. Thank you, God. Can you say thank you to the Lord? Thank you, Lord, that you're working through us. Thank you that you are working in us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'd like to ask, would someone like to receive Jesus today into your life? Maybe you don't know the Lord yet, but you sense him tugging on your heart and you know that the Lord is saying, hey, follow me. You want to follow Jesus this morning and surrender your life to him. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and put it back down? I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Is there anyone here? Madison Assembly, I want to say thank you for having me today. Pastor Jason, thank you. Pray God blesses you all. Thank you for serving the Lord the way that you do. God bless you. (laughs) 